So I deal with so many founders on such a consistent basis. And the ones who I see I'm successful are the consistent ones. And so everyone always talks about being a unicorn and all that. And one thing I would say is, you know, be a cockroach. Like, just hang around, be consistent. And it's like, no matter what happens to the new kids, like, survive and just keep creating. Hey, everyone. You are listening to the MarTech Wiz podcast. So this podcast is all about marketing technology or MarTech. And we talk with marketing technology leaders about their marketing, their technology, and their journey in the business world of marketing technology. So what you'll take away from these discussions are industry best practices, some trends that are going on in marketing technology, as well as some actionable insights of things that you can implement in your organization. My name is Steven Stanzak, founder of MarTech Wiz. Let's get into the podcast. In this episode of the MarTech Wiz podcast, we speak with Jason Malky of Startup Boost, the thriving tech startup ecosystem with over 30,000 members. We cover Jason's swift journey from hosting meetups in the back of bars to organizing expos with thousands of attendees. We'll learn a common trait of successful founders Jason's identified, the number one asset of his business, and marketing tools that Startup Boost loves. Lastly, we touch on a new project of Jason's, Sports Wonks, a social network for sports enthusiasts. Jason, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hey, startup Boost, it's uh, you know a huge community in uh, the NYC startup world, and I'm sure a lot of people do know about it, but for those who don't know, what's kind of the 30-second spiel? Sure. So Startup Boost is basically a startup event series and ecosystem in New York City. We do a variety of events, including mixers, panels, investment nights, and expos. Great. And our target demo is uh, seed the Series A founders, biz dev, and marketing pipes. So I've noticed that the community has grown very quickly. What do you think has been the accelerator to your growth? That's a great question. So for us, I believe our biggest driver is our consistency and the types of events that we host. So at this point, we host about 25 physical events a year. And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out to 30,000 subscribers. So it's something where, like, even right now, I think we have between six and eight live events for the next couple of months. So it's something where we've always had a ton of events in the pipeline and we, you know, get them live as soon as possible. So I feel like that's been one of the big drivers, which is our consistency. And that's been something that, you know, has really uh, motivated a lot of the founders to stay involved and help with retention. So, you know, I see a lot of the same faces at a lot of the events. And to me, it's a sign that they're enjoying the content and the consistency. So... I think that's the root of it. Yeah, I think that's so important in content marketing to always be putting out content or email marketing to always be having emails go out and something probably a lot of people struggle with and probably you see that in terms of Definitely. I want to go to more events with this guy, but you know, he's not putting he's not putting on the events or from this site. So I think that's a really good answer and uh, super important and something that I'm trying to implement. Yeah, and actually, I, I agree with you. Harder said than done. Yeah. yeah, and I agree with you uh, as far as the general sense of it. Because I deal with so many founders on such a consistent basis. And the ones who I see become successful are the consistent ones. And so everyone always talks about being a unicorn and all that. And one thing I would say is, you know, be a cockroach. Like, just hang around and be consistent. And it's like, no matter what happens to the new kids, like, survive and just keep on pushing. And whatever your craft is, keep creating and do that consistently. I think that's definitely going to be a long-term driver for any business. Why did you start Startup Boost? Where did the idea come from? Right, so I'll give you the uh, long story long. So uh, I was at Rutgers Newark in 2006. I was a freshman there. And uh, I grew up around like manufacturing, wholesale, retail. It's my family businesses. And like, so growing up, I was either like moving boxes or like sitting in a cash register, which uh, wasn't that fun, to be honest. 
And uh, it was something where like, you know, I figured I, I don't want to do this my, for my career, but I do want to be an entrepreneur. So even growing up, I was kind of kept an ear out. I was like, what else is there to do besides like work in a store? So I was at Rutgers Newark and my brother had started a, a video startup back in 06 when like Facebook was just getting big and like YouTube was already big. He was going to film school, so he wanted to create like a YouTube, but that was a little more like artistic, I guess, mm-hmm. where like people could have like annual awards and like win for the quality of their work. So for me, well, he started off, yeah, so he started off one of his frat brothers at the University of Delaware. And then um, the short of it was he's like, all right, you want to like get involved? And I was like, okay, why not? I'm like, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. So he had his development outsourced. This is like back in the day, like he probably had it done in India or whatever. And uh, but the short of it was he created something where like, I saw him create a company that was online. I was watching videos and I was like, this is incredible. Like my mind was blown. I was like, how the hell do you create a business that makes money? And like you're not carrying boxes or sitting in a register all day. Like, like, and everything, every time I how big like YouTube was getting and Facebook was getting big. And I was like, this is so, like, I feel like this is my generation's like big thing. Like it's been yeah. a big thing for our, our entrepreneurs. So I just became really curious. And then I transferred out of Rutgers, Newark into Montclair. Oh, actually before that, I interned at a dev shop in New York City after that called iCreon. They were in Midtown right by Port Authority. It was just something because I wanted to kind of see how a website was built or even an app. Like apps were like brand new then. Like people were like, well, you have an app, like what the hell is that? Like, it was yeah. really new. But I knew they were doing some app and uh, desktop stuff. And that's big clients like Pepsi, uh, New York City Roadrunners and a few other big ones. And it was just a great experience because I was doing biz dev and kind of like sales partnerships for them. And I just saw the need for it and like how excited people were. And uh, it was a good perspective because I talked to the CEO. I was lucky enough to sit with the CEO and one of the other top people. So they had a big India office, like a couple hundred people, but it just opened up New York City. And we were like three or four people. Like now they have like 20 or 30 in New York. Mm-hmm. But at that stage, I was sitting by the CEO and I was just getting really good insight on like what it took to launch a startup. So then from there, I transferred from Rutgers North to Montclair State in Jersey. And when I was there, they didn't have an entrepreneurship club, so I wanted to start one. So I reached out to like everybody, every school in Tri-State, like NYU, Columbia, Rutgers, like whoever it was, just to kind of get some feedback and insight on what it takes to start an entrepreneurship club. And I met some guy who ran the NYU program, one of their MBA students, part-time MBA students, I believe. And he's like, oh, I'm doing something called NYC Startup Mixers, just like networking for startups. I was like, wow, this is like the perfect opportunity for me to really get my feet wet and like join the ecosystem. And from there, uh, we had done pretty well. We, we did a lot of mixtures. We didn't really do panel. We did like one panel. The one we actually did was with Fengo, who ended up being like one of the most funded startups on Shark Tank, Shark Tank history. Yeah. I don't know if they're still the most funded in history, but for a while they were. And uh, we were, you know, we had them at, we hosted them at Village Poorhouse, which was some like bar like, down by NYU in like their back area. It wasn't like an official event space. We were like, they had like literally right next to the bar, we just like set up a few chairs. Yeah. We had like, a bunch of people. Um, people were like sitting in booths, like it was kind of weird, but it worked. And so like we were kind of evolving our model from just mixtures to also doing panels at that point. And uh, we actually did a really cool one where we did one on like a yacht, uh, the point blower. It was a huge startup one. It was really good, like hundreds of people. Yeah, and then we ended up joining this co-working space in the city and we were there for a little less than a year. But during that experience, I was able to build up my role decks over those couple of years. And I was able to connect with a lot of speakers and I had so much experience because I was doing little meetups where it was like whatever, like 20, 30 people up to like events where I was like sleeping in the office for like PayPal or Spotify hackathons in the co-working space. So I just, for that year or whatever it was, I spent a lot of time hosting different types of events and gave me some really good insights on what it took from like setting up the speakers to like, you know, helping with the attendee list or whatever it was, just the logistics of it. And so doing that on a daily basis for like over two years or whatever it was, just gave me a lot of really good uh, connections and experience, helping me build up a list. And then I rolled out, started was like three, three and a half years ago. And for me, it was something where 
I noticed a lot of these events, like they just get like big name speakers, or, like big companies, and that's cool and all. But for me, I try to be as like value driven around like what the founders, business dev, and marketing types are facing. Because me myself, I'm a founder of a sports social network that I'm working on, that I'll, I guess we maybe potentially get into later. But absolutely, yeah, yeah. So with that, it was something where I um, like everything I do. Honestly, I do from the founders' perspective. I'm like, would I if I went to this event, would it be valuable to me? Like for example, I have a product and strategy event coming up. And for me, that's a good one because I need help with some of my product and strategy stuff. Or even like the other day, we had a digital marketing panel. So I, I made sure I had someone who was an influencer marketing. I had somebody who was a, like a growth principal. Just like a lot of stuff that's current right now and that founders need to know about. So for me, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it came about. And that's that's how we're at Startup Boost now. It's been a bit of a journey. And how do you decide what events are on? I know you've done email marketing ones in the past. You yeah. just mentioned digital marketing ones. So how do you know what's really going to be most important and most uh, useful for the community? That's a great question. I mean, there's a few uh, ways that I come up with them. One is that I should keep my ear to the street. So like recently we did a blockchain one because I know that's getting huge, right? So we did a blockchain one that was a huge, huge attendance. There's other things that I just know are like big verticals. So like every, and like, I've honestly just tested a lot of type of event, a lot of different types of events, and some I dropped from what we do, and other ones I've like continued. So like we have this general sports tech and health tech one that we do every year, which is like a panel. I know it's a big hit. Like we have tons of attendees. Like I've had people come up to me and say like, you know, your health tech panel is better than the one you know we saw at Tech Crunch or whatever. So like you know, I kind of over time I kind of maybe test events, and also I just kind of keep my ear to the street and kind of figure out what's hot, what's not, and what people want to be around or hear about. Like right now I know obviously it's been a big thing is like diversity. So like we're doing a women in tech one which empowers women. So like that's something that obviously I know that's something that there's a need for and there needs to be more transparency around minorities and women in the startup ecosystem. So that's something we're doing. Um, again, product and strategy is just a home run because everybody's always building something. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, you know, I guess the cross ones of like common sense and what's going on. And and even from there we A B test. Like I have shitty attendance, you know, the year before I probably don't do that event again. So like over time I kind of refine our events just by posting so many of them and just trying different things. So just like anything else, just experience you gain over time and you get an eye for what works and what doesn't. That's even based on need also. So like I came up with our investor nights, which we do quarterly now. We do an annual investor conference because so many of these startups need capital. So it's like, how do I get a bunch of startups in front of a bunch of investors? We even tried speed dating at one time that didn't go so well, it was okay. Yeah. Then we found, wait, but they want to work on their pitches as well. So now we do like five minute PowerPoint presentations, three to five minutes of insight and feedback from a panel of investors. And like it's something where you share, you know, contact info with the startup, the investors, so they can network beyond that. So it's like understanding the needs of the startups in the ecosystem and kind of like playing towards that. Like even now I'm seeing a lot of need for press, thinking about doing some more press type events uh, just to help these, because it's true actually, a lot of these real estate shops need the press and they can't afford a PR firm. So it's like, how do you hack that? So there's just things that I see um, as I go. So I know, um, and I actually heard that you've been able to be probably one of the few people who've been able to have a financially sustainable meetup through just community events. So right. so how are you able to to, uh, to kind of build that up and, and create enough value that people will pay on a consistent basis to come to the events? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I have an effective answer for all the event organizers out there. So the short of it is early on, I really didn't make much money. It was like, if, listen, if you, there's, there's two ways to make money off of events. One is the door tickets and the other is sponsors. If you want to run sustainable, sustainable uh, event series or ecosystem, you need to have sponsors. And to attract and retain those sponsors, you need to deliver value to the sponsors while also enriching the uh, startup. 
So like for me, I've looked for super synergistic sponsors like law firms, accounting firms, things that every startup is going to need at some point. I bring those types of sponsors, like you know, email softwares, business consultants who work with early stage startups. So happens is if you want to build this type of business and have a sustainable income, you need to build value for the attendees and for the sponsors. And um, you basically, at the end of the day, yeah, you need to get really good at B2B sales and it's like talking to sponsors and creating that comfort and building those personal relationships. And uh, through that over time, it's something where you know they're gonna compensate you. You gotta think about it this way. Whenever they compensate you, that allows for you to put more time and effort into the ecosystem, which actually empowers entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs who need these events, who need this education, who need these insights, who need these connections. So some people are like, oh, I don't want to ask for money or whatever else. But at the end of the day, if that's your mentality, you're actually screwing the entrepreneur because you can no longer host events. You can no longer you know, run your business. And then that ultimately hurts these investors. And I know from my events, I know tons of business has been done. I know tons of investments have been, been made through the connections that have been made. But if I didn't have these sponsors backing me, uh, you know, I really couldn't do what I do. And, and that's the reality of it. Early on, it's tough to get sponsors. We don't have like a full house every time. So early on, what I personally had done, and this, this could be effective for any event organizer who like is starting to grow it, but doesn't actually have enough traction and consistency to bring sponsors. What I did was I kept a day job. So I did like some, I was like a brand marketing manager for a startup. I freelanced a little bit on the marketing side and the biz dev side. And I just brought in enough income to like sustain my living. So yeah, stick to your day job. Build up your community. Don't expect it to be done overnight. And and when it does happen, start to you know ask for sponsors to get involved. And they're going to be very happy to get involved because for them, not only do they want to provide the services, but they a lot of them are. I'm telling you right now, a lot of them are very passionate about helping the founders. They they really they get up every morning like even as sponsors like solutions providers. They they really do want to help. And I know that because I built like personal relationships with a lot of these people and I've had those conversations and like. A lot of these people get better jobs, but like they have fun doing it startups and early stage companies. Like it's, they're passionate about it. So it's like a win-win. And a lot of these people know other people, they put introductions, they find you next source of capital, they find you that new hire, they get you connected to one of the current clients who becomes one of your clients. Like there's a lot there. I mean, that's just networking in general, obviously. Great, seems like you have a full system in place. You know, you've built it up and you're at a point where it's sustainable, growing more and more. Kind of where do you see it going in the next one, two, three years? So. For us, it's funny. We used to actually be called Alley Boost because we were focused on Silicon Alley in New York City. We, we rebranded under Startup Boost so that we can eventually leave New York. I mean, not leave New York, but also expand beyond New York. We'll always be in New York as it's our home base. But um, who knows? I mean, I'm thinking potentially somewhere in the, something in the Northeast. Maybe we'll check out Boston or DC. I'd rather you know take a train ride versus a plane ride to go see one of my events. So maybe something in a local city, maybe even like Philly. As of the moment, I mean, as of the next couple of years, outside of like expansion physically, I would say just, you know, we're doing a lot more annual stuff. So now the first couple of years, we only did like local meetups. Two years ago, we did our first annual startup expo, which was a huge hit. We've done it two years running now. We're doing the next one in November. Um, that's usually like 60 exhibitors, 2000 people throughout the day. And we, and yeah, and like we've been doing these quarterly investor nights for three years. So we decided to do one annual investor conference uh, in March of this year, and it was a huge hit. We had 60 startups, 60 VCs, lots of networking, lots of investor meetings came of it, and just like investor interest in a lot of these New York City startups, which is like awesome, which is what gets me up in the morning, like kind of making these types of connections that build businesses that create jobs and all that. Um, so yeah, I mean, in the, couple, in the coming years, maybe just more annual stuff, more like big events. For me, it's like, I see some of these event series who just do these annual events and that's one off. And that's cool, and but I just never want to become that. I want to be consistent where I have like these monthly events plus the annual, so that like no matter what time of year you come to start this event and like learn or gain connections, 
versus like that one offer is a big shebang and then it's over. I want to get to the point in the next couple of years where I offer that plus my monthly events. You know, so it's like yeah, an annual valuable thing and like which ties into like us being consistent even around our newsletter, which is weekly where we provide a lot of startup resources, information and just insights. Because for me, again, I'm a founder, I have my own startup. So I just, for me, it, it, this was a need that I saw. I did it based on, because I used to go to meetups before I did any of this. I used to go to like two meetups a week, free meetups. I was like, well, yeah. while I was in college, like working in the family business, like I'd leave work and I'd go to jump on a bus in New York from Jersey and I'd go to like two events, free events a week and I was like, wow, this is helping my startup. I'm like, my current business partner, I met there. Like my developers, I met at events. Like, and like all these things, I started to see the value for myself and I was like, I need more of this. And there's no, there's a lot of these meetups that you talked about, but nobody being consistent. So for me, it's like, I want to be that consistent presence that like everyone would be like, all right, it's a startup this event or whatever event, it's going to be a good event. Because I wasn't sure, like I go to some events, it'd be like 10 people and it'd be a good event. And then I like, go to other ones, because they're free a lot of the time. And I go to other events, which were awesome. And I was like, how the hell do I know? Like, there's no brands. So I was like, at least if I can build something that's like a strong signal. Yeah, and I think your brand is great. I think before I even met you, I knew, I mean, I knew the brand. I had the logo in my picture. So awesome. I think you're crushing it. But anyway, to kind of switch gears, you've been around so many startups. You know, obviously you uh, have a startup and now you're trying to branch off into do a tech startup in sports. So I believe it's called Sports Wonk. Why don't you use Sports Wonks. Yeah. yeah, Sports Wonks. Great. So why don't you tell us what that's all about? Sure. So it's basically a sports social network. Uh, for myself, I'm a big sports fan. And uh, like a lot of sports fans, I feel like ESPN and a lot of these more traditional sports companies are failing us as fans, right? They're just so stuck to the more traditional uh, model of like watch TV and like, like, which, like nobody, I don't watch TV. I, I only watch like maybe Netflix and HBO Go. Like, I only watch stuff that I can like choose over like the, you know, whatever the OTT thing. But I just feel like online, there's nothing. Like even ESPN or Bleacher Report, you'll go on there, you'll see content from your favorite team, potentially from your favorite teams. And like you'll click around, read one or two articles and you'll leave. There's no retention, right? It's just like a, they're a huge brand, you know them, you go check out today's news and you leave. For me, like that's not, that shouldn't be the, like sports fans are so diehard and so passionate. Like they should have a forum where they can go and just talk sports 24 seven. So like, and it's something, and the reason I kind of got the idea was because when I used to work in my family business, I'd have a lot of downtime and um, I'd go into ESPN and I'd go into the comment section and start like talking smack like other people. And like, there'd be like a hundred, couple hundred comments and it was so fun. But it's something that's like hidden on their website. Like you go to the article, go to the comment section, like. It's not really, you know, what we're used to today with like Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, like social networks, you know? So for me, it's something where I've been like dying to roll out this startup. And it's been something like we talked about earlier, like I was bootstrapping even with Startup Boost. So I didn't really have the capital to do it. But more recently, finally I make some money myself. I go out and I go spend it on the startup, of course. So like now for me, it's like I'm pretty much like bootstrapping again and like trying to roll out this startup. So we're getting there. But yeah, the gist of it is it's a sports social network. It's a little more sports centric. It's around obviously like the social wall, but in addition, I want to do a lot around content like recent news and like videos because like video is really big in sports. Whether it's last night's like video highlights of the basketball game or like some commentators like ripping apart some athlete who did something stupid. Like there's just a lot of video, so I'm trying to build it. Initially, it's kind of it has that Facebook feeling that it's like social and there's wall and all that. But there's gonna be so many things that we do differently. Like I want to do a lot around gamification and rewarding people who are big fans of a specific team. And like, you know, creating maybe havens for specific teams within the, within the website where they can just talk about their team. And like, you know, there's, I'm even thinking about stuff where there's like borderline like debates about certain topics. Because that's what happens in a lot of sports conversations. Who's better, MJ or LeBron? Or are the Warriors going to be a long-term dynasty? These are conversations people could have for hours. So I kind of am thinking about something around like just like debating certain hot topics. 
so yeah, that's pretty much where. Uh, but it's starting off as a sports social network with some focus on video uh, as well as a social network. So, what are some new skills that you're gonna have to learn that you kind of haven't developed with building up startup booths that you're gonna have to use to kind of promote and grow sports ones? Great question. So for me, it's funny. I'm whenever I want to. It's funny. I didn't actually go to business school. I plan on hopefully one day getting an MBA. But undergrad, I actually did social psych, so I could go for an MBA later. But I've just been so busy that I've had a chance. So for me, self-education is really, really important. I think in terms of like autodidact and like you're self-educated. So like for me, every time I want to like master a new craft, I treat a bunch of books on it. Like for sports one specifically, I've done a lot of like B two B sales. I'm used to having those sponsor conversations, or you know, I do some other side hustles where it's just a lot more B two B and like sit down and get on a call. But obviously, digital marketing is a whole different animal. So for me, I'm like right now I'm reading a book called Contagious, which talks about like making your company go viral. So for me, it's just a matter of like seeing what is this big news going to learn. I'll read like two or three books about it, right? So like right now I'm starting with uh, Contagious, and then from there I'm gonna look for like one or two other books around virality. And what I do is like I actually look for like not everything I read in old books. I'm like, oh, that's definitely my route. But when I see something around a certain topic that's consistent across multiple books that are like top books, I start to say, okay, that's the route. Like that makes sense, and I, and I apply it to my business. Like even with like uh, Contagious, it talks a lot about social currency. So for me, if I'm gonna share, and this applies to any company really, one of the course of virality is people sharing your product, right? And no one's gonna share something that doesn't make them look good or smart. So if, I, if sports products looks like shit, the UI UX is terrible, and it's not something that like I personally even like to go on to, no one's gonna share it because there's no social currency. Or if the UI UX is slick, the site works perfectly, it's fast, the content's good, then it becomes social currency, which could become a catalyst for uh, virality. For me, it's just a matter of understanding what this, because that's a part of it, you need to know what skill it is that you need to study. Like even with sports models, I didn't know what the skills I would need yet were until it's time to cross those bridges. And so for me, I was like, damn, like, what is it gonna be? And then I started thinking digital marketing and how do I make that you know, happen? And uh, I mean, another way as far as educating myself, another way to educate myself is by getting experience. So like, I'll see certain things like, we tried Snapchat filters in the NBA Finals, and it worked pretty well, but it was something where it was more of like, we got a lot of people using the filter, we had hundreds of people use it. They weren't necessarily signing up to the site. So for me, it was like, okay, I'm not gonna necessarily do that early on, but down the road, when I'm focusing more on retention and I already have users, and like they know my brand, I'll probably roll back out the Snapchat filters because they're affordable and people use them, but if they don't know who I am, it's not that great. They just had a cool filter of like Steph Curry, and that's why they did it. They didn't give a shit about us and the brand. So, uh, but even like now, I'm DMing a lot of, uh, Instagram pages being like, how much is it for like, throw my link in the bio for 24 hours and post about us, like link to our website and like all that fun stuff. So like, for me, I'm educating myself in that sense on new skills that I need by going out and just trying things. Actually, you read today, this morning, that uh, people need to see a brand 12 times before they'll take out their credit card and buy. So, I believe that. Yeah, so I mean, I think even if it feels like, you know, they didn't convert on the first time, a lot of people didn't sign up. In some ways, it subconsciously helped yeah. Because that brand is now imprinted in their mind in a lot of ways that I kind of know the startup boost logo. Yeah. But that's uh, why yeah, that's why it's important to do all those different like hand like it's yeah. funny, I read something like um I heard this recently, I don't know how true it is. Something like your traffic from like page to page, like from like Facebook to Twitter, or like Facebook Twitter to your website. Again, don't quote me, I could have sworn I heard this. I heard the conversion rate's like two percent. Like nothing really converts off of that one platform. Oh, yeah. They know you on that platform and that's how they know you. Right? So like where you are on Facebook, that's how they know you there. On Twitter, they may or not they may not follow you, but like they just know you as that brand on that specific platform. But it's actually interesting what you just brought up because even if it's something where like they're just seeing you on Facebook, even if they just see you twelve times there and then that one time they happen to get on your website, 
they might actually spend with you because they trust you via Facebook. So that's actually an interesting stat. So what's something you didn't expect about Startup Boost's success? Wow, great question. So I didn't realize, honestly, how powerful my, I guess my newsletter was. I, I, I had, like, we were up like 30,000 subscribers. I was doing a lot of little events and they were filling out and they were doing okay. But then I tried doing my first annual startup expo and I was like, this is going to be a complete shit show. I want to fall on my face. Yeah, it was really, it was really, really nerve wracking. We rented out a whole venue, like we actually paid for it. And it was a really nerve wracking experience and I didn't think it was going to go well. And then I was pleasantly surprised because it was packed. Like it was just completely packed. And like, I did not expect my reach to be able, and startup to be able to do that. And then when it did, I was like, wow, this is like a real bit. That was like the day my first expo was when I was like, this is a real business. Like after we packed out an entire, like basically conference space with like 60 exhibitors, Thousands of people throughout the day, like exhibitors were thanking me, they loved it. I had some guys from like other big like uh, conferences were like, we filled it. And, like, I didn't know that the brand had it within like our ecosystem. So it was just good because it made me realize like, wow, I have enough of a following that if I try to do something big, like I can't pull it off. That really opened my eyes. And I, I didn't know that I had those capabilities until I went out and took the jump and did it. Yeah, so I guess it's safe to say you're a big fan of building up email lists. And yeah, that's, that's our bread and butter. Yeah. yeah, for us, our newsletter is everything. I mean. That's how we sell our tickets. That's how we, that's part of why our sponsors work with us. Yeah, I'm a big, big fan of uh, emails. I mean, you know, most of the digital marketing stuff you read is around like posting raffles or doing this or doing that to get emails. So yeah, emails, email lists are huge. And at the same time, make sure that through that newsletter, you're delivering value. Like initially, I don't think my newsletters were that great. It was a little too much of like marketing. Like I was just like kind of promoting brands. And then I said to my partners, hey, listen, like we're not doing ads anymore. Like you have to give me like blog posts or something that's valuable to these founders. And the partners, our sponsors loved it, and our attendees, and now like people come to my events, like we love your newsletter because we're giving them so much seed to Series A advice. Like we're really like their source from like how to set up the cap table to like how do you set up your IP so that you're protecting from situations to um, booking event spaces if that's something you want to do with your, with your marketing. It's just a lot of stuff that apply, even like digital marketing advice, like brands like Fiverr promote on our newsletter. We give them good advice on like from like their sellers and their buyers and how it's helped their businesses. So it's just like. Once you build up that, those emails, definitely make sure that you're delivering value. There's nothing wrong with Great. trying things, success, succeeding and failing. Don't be scared. Try different things. But over time, just make sure that you evolve that and make it a value add for whoever your subscribers are. So it's an interesting tip. So your sponsors also prefer not just a straight ad that's 100% promotional. They prefer more of a softer brand pop. 100%. Yeah, because for them, it's like they want to uh, be... Listen, at the end of the day, business, you, know, you do business with people you like and that you're friendly with and all that. And if you're just trying to push someone 100% like bye, 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 they're going to be like, all right, like, leave me alone. But if it's like something where like you see one of our sponsors and like, I'll just give you a literal example. Like, Insperry is one of our sponsors and like I was in a meeting with them the other day and they were like, someone read the blog post that you had posted like in the newsletter. They reached out to us, we closed business with them and like it was just so much easier because we actually educated them and they were happy with that knowledge. And from that point, they actually trusted us and saw that we're not just here to like hold their pockets. We're here to actually educate them and provide a service that they need because it was educational that's allowed for that to happen. So yeah, if you create, you know, it's something that both parties are happy. I'm happy because now my newsletter gets better and the sponsor's happy because they get seen as a thought leader and as an expert. And the startup is happy because they, they know they're with, it, with an expert who's going to only drive their business further. So one of the focuses of MarTech Wiz being marketing technology is technology. So... Are there any kind of one to two cool tools that you're using or things that you really rely on that you'd recommend to other founders? Is this for founders or event organizers? Either. Either? Yeah. 
So, I mean, for event organizers, uh, actually a really good, a great tool is Splash That, which is what I use for my event pages. There's a free tier that's like, as I used to use Eventbrite and Meetup, which is very like clunky and it's, the design wasn't very nice. As soon as we switch over to Splash That, honestly, and they're not a sponsor or anything, I'm just like, I really like them. They basically were, it's just such a clean experience. It's such a beautiful website. People are like, how did you build this? Like this, that, and that, and like, it's free. It empowers like these meetups and events. Because a lot of people I see spend all the time on their meetup and Eventbrite page, which looks like shit. And like, you could just throw up a Splash App page, which is super sexy. They have really nice stock photos. It just makes you look really professional. And I'm telling you right now, our conversion rate has gone up since we switched over to Splash, uh, as far as like people converting from uh, our newsletter. Um, what's another one? I mean, as far as graphics, I mean, I need to start to use this. I use Canva, that's like another free one. That's a great one. That's a great one, yeah, I love that. I mean, I'm just saying it because a lot of the, not only because they're sponsored, but because a lot of the founders in the ecosystem love it. Uh, Fiverr's a good one if you want like cheap stuff done like graphics, or even like, if you want to have creator like copyright written. Uh, what's the other one that I like? Oh, another one, if you're ever like outsourcing, you have like data entry you need to do, or anything that's just like busy work. I use Upwork a lot. Mm. That's not necessarily too much more of a platform, but you can find really good like cheap yeah. talent overseas. Yeah, I'd um, like to start to use that more. Yeah, Upwork's really I, good. I have to start yeah. using something like that. I use Slack like everybody else. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, honestly, my main tool for all my businesses is Google Drive. Like, every all my business, like, I'm very organized in there. Like, so there'll be like startups or sports monsters, like marketing, accounting, partnerships, and then it goes a little more unique by each business. But Google Drive, keep a clean Google Drive. That's that's a huge thing. And one other thing, actually, I mean, I know it's not necessarily tools, but for businesses that want to scale, uh, whether your events are just a startup in general, have really good, clean internal documentation. Not Well, when I say internal, I mean, in the sense that, um, Say there's like, say you want to grow your team, like you need to bring on talent. I should have a weekly reminder in my calendar to actually record like my important tasks and to create documentation around like important tasks that I do consistently so that one day if I need to like delegate that work, I can just delegate it. And also That's even smart. like for like more like D2B companies, like make sure that you have like clean decks and like necessary agreements and all that. Uh, because once you have those, it creates a more professional vibe and environment for like clients. Cause you're gonna deal with, if you're doing like B2B business, you might come across big contracts. And if it takes you like three days to deliver a document, that really hurts your chances of closing business. Because people, you know, buy the experience and the personal relationship. So you just have to make sure that internally your documents are straight and your Google Drive's organized and all that so that you can scale and get things done one, two, three versus, you know, taking that extra time, which slows you down and slows down the entire process. Jason, do you have a mentor? Yes, definitely. So I, I like to say I have a few. My most consistent one is probably, uh, this guy, Professor Wazi, who is uh, actually runs the Center for Entrepreneurship at Mercy College. He actually MCs a lot of our events. He's a U Penn Stanford guy, teaches the Center for Entrepreneurship. So he's just around entrepreneurship all the time. He helps me with a lot of stuff as far as like infrastructure and just strategy, like long-term, we talk about long-term vision, a lot of that stuff, short-term, what needs to be done. He's been really helpful. And I mean, actually, I mean, my personal, my other, one of my other mentors is honestly my dad, because I grew up with him. And, I might, well, I grew up with both my parents, but uh, with my dad, it was something where, actually my mother was an entrepreneur, both my parents are entrepreneurs, they still are, so like for me, I've like been around that environment, and I just see how hard they work, and it's like never really been about the money, it's just more about like, just like being great, like working your ass off, and like creating value, and all that stuff, to make sure the business is run the right way. So for me, I guess my parents, and plus more more recently, probably Wazi in the last couple of years, Professor Wazi, and I even have some of my peers I look at as, as mentors, you know, like actually a good friend of mine, uh, who I think has been on the show, well, who was on the show, David Markovich, He's somebody who's like helping me now with like really working on like my sales, just like those conversations. So beyond like my parents and, and Wazi, who's really helpful. I honestly look at a lot of my peers as mentors because a lot of them have, you know, have especially I feel like in our generation, a lot of people are very much like specialists. So you see a lot of specialists. 
um, outside of founders who are more like generalists a lot of time, but there's a lot of people who are like really good at uh, you know, search marketing or, or just digital marketing in general or like biz dev or B2B sales. And so for me, like even this morning, I met somebody who works at a pretty big startup who wants to launch his own startup. And like he was giving me a lot of really good product advice. And I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call him a mentor, but like in that meeting, I took away so much knowledge, you know, which gave me a lot of good perspective. So yeah, I definitely do have some mentors. And I definitely recommend anybody who's like looking to launch a startup to get one. It's funny, when I heard that initially, I was like, who the hell do I know? How am I gonna find a mentor? It didn't happen in the way that like, I was looking for a mentor and I found one. It was more of like, I was just networking. I was starting to work with Wazi on a few things and he just naturally grew into more of a mentor. And like even with Dave, like, I've been working with him and he's kind of building up a mentor on the sales side. So it's not something where I'm like, I just go find a mentor, I need to send it. It's more of like you build a relationship with somebody, you're you know kicking each other business or whatever it is, and over time you just learn a lot from that person and you can turn to them and ask them questions and they're happy to help or connect you or whatever it is. I heard from someone skilled in like the human resources side that they said that formal mentor programs don't work because you have to like organically find someone. If you just put two people right. together, it's like an arranged marriage, which they may work at certain yeah. so that's, that's a whole <laughs> different combo, yeah. analogy. But yeah, I mean, I, th- I think finding it organically when it's not just like a formal process seems to be the most kind of successful way for that to work. Totally, I agree. I mean, the only way I feel like that could potentially work is if like you're both really doing like the exact same thing and each have like thirty more years of experience. But otherwise, it's tough. I don't know. Like I agree with you, it's it's tough to match them like that. Hey, well, Jason, thanks so much for joining the podcast. I think we've hit on uh, a lot of different areas. Startup boost about your launch of Sports Wong. So, what is the best way for people to keep in touch with you or about those projects? Definitely, yeah. So you could just email me directly. My email is jason, J-A-S-O-N, at startupboost.com. The spelling is a bit tricky. It's a startup without the A. So S-T-R-T-U-P-B-O-O-S-T.com. So jason at startupboost without the A in startup. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a great experience. So I hope you agree with me that this discussion with Jason Malky included a ton of insights It's clear that Jason has succeeded by really being mindful of all the different members of his ecosystem and how he can provide the value to them, whether it's founders, sponsors, or attendees. Some things that I'll take away from this are, one, how crucial consistency is, two, an important reminder of the power of an email list, and then lastly, inspiration from Jason's continued improving, learning, and exploration in terms of all of his endeavors. So you can listen to all the podcasts on our site, martechwiz.com slash podcast, and subscribe there to the podcast platform of your choice, including iTunes, Google Play, and many more. Thank you for listening.